Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Do it live. Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Welcome to another Wired Access podcast. I'm your host, DJ K-Dub Omaha. To my left, I have Damon Day, Scott Catholic baseball coach. And to his left, I have my co-host, Brian Southworth from Wired Train. Welcome to the show, guys. How's it going? All the way from Carney, coming back to Scott. Blessed. Blessed. Extraordinarily blessed with this opportunity. It's something that uh, I really didn't see coming on the horizon. Kind of happened real fast uh, from the standpoint of mutual interest to interview to to job offer. But uh, just super excited to be back in the dugout. It's been a while. Um, and so I'm just really excited to get kind of hit the ground running and and start working with the baseball community of Omaha and get Scott Catholic. Uh, it's it's been a it's been a very good baseball program. So I'm very excited just about the opportunity to continue the tradition. Now, what attracted you to Scott at that opportunity? What was the main thing that brought you back here? Faith based education. Faith based education at a private school uh, was something that that's the number one reason uh, that it interested me. And Scott Catholic has had a tremendous amount of success through throughout all their sports. And so uh, I know that Don Kasner, the athletic director, and uh, Dr. Jeremy Moore um, are big proponents of athletics. And so it just kind of seemed like the right fit at the right time. Well, and I'm glad that you brought up faith-based schooling because we had um, Connor Capice from uh, Omaha Gross. And why I bring that up is because when you're talking about SCUT, this is where people have to pay to go or have to choose to go. What attracts them to come to Scut over other places? And what's something that you feel the baseball program adds to make it where someone wants to come play for Coach Day? Well, I think it's just the family, the, the family dynamic of Scut Catholic. I think it's the educational values that they bring. I think it's the the level of academics. That's what what really drew me. I have a son and a daughter that will be going to Scut Catholic over the next couple of years. Uh, so as a parent, that was what really drew me to this is an opportunity to uh, get back to Omaha near my wife's family, but also have a great education and be the baseball coach. And so I think just joining that, that, that atmosphere of good academics, great people, faith-based environment. I think they, they have a lot of really, really good things going on that a lot of families in, in today's world are, are really excited to have opportunities to get to. You did mention, um, you know, that you do have to, uh, pay tuition. Uh, I always look at it more from, it's an investment, um, type of thing. If you look at, you know, we pay for a lot of things nowadays, yes, but this is do. this is this is way more of an investment into um, a, a certain specific type of education that you want your child to be um, exposed to. And so, uh, I think when you look at what that has to offer, I think those individuals find that investment very much worthwhile. And I think that that's what we'll sell. Well, and what I like about it is is you're coming from the college down to the high school level, but you brought up a very important point, and I think you gained back time because you said your kids are going to go there. How much did that impact making decisions that you have to make? Because for me, I like to be around my kids. I like to be there, but it's also hard to for them to accept that I am there when I was a coach, whether it was soccer, whether it was football, basketball, baseball. How does that work for you? And what's the benefits that you're going to see now being able to do it at a high school level with your kids. You know, when when the UNK baseball program was cut five years ago, I thought it was the end of the world. I thought it was the end of my career. I I mean, it was everything. And and then as, you know, time moves on, you start to realize most blessings come in ways that you don't really see. And so for the past five years, I've got to be uh, the baseball coach for my son on his youth teams. Um, I had 11, 
12 amazing young people who along with their families, you know, when the program got cut, I didn't want anything to do with baseball. It was, it was, it wasn't on my radar for a while. And so um, these families and these boys really brought back the love and they really are the ones who kind of gave me the confidence to go after the scut job. We had a tremendous amount of success um, with them at the youth level. And I was like, man, this is, and then this year they all aged out. So they're all moving on to high school programs and doing their thing. And I was like, I'm not done. And so, um, I thought I was done cause I had, inter- I had applied for some jobs and my son just entered high school. And I was like, well, once he starts it, we're not leaving it. And then this all happened. Uh, and it was just like, it was, it was God's way. And so, um, you know, it was just perfect timing, all the stars aligning, all those blessings lining up. And, and I'm just excited to get the opportunity to be around my son. I, uh, as the varsity coach, I don't know when he'll get up there, but just the opportunity to be around him every single day in the, in the hallways, um, he's in a gym class with me. He's not, I'm not his teacher, but, um, you know, uh, and then my daughter will be there next year. So just, I get to see him every day. I get to have lunch with him every day and just, you know, I'm um, a big advocate for you better spend as much time as you can with them. You yeah. better spend as much it, time it, as you can. Yep. It goes so fast. I, I have a senior now, my fourth is a senior and I'm almost done. I've been a, a father since 17, a very young age. So I've seen my kids grow. Brian, he brought up a very important point. Obviously, your promotion, you always talk to these kids about next level beyond. When you hear of a program like UNK can't, closes their baseball, what does that even tell the, ba- the, the, the world when it comes to a university having to close a sport that's been around since Christ was a child? I mean, baseball has been there forever. What is that like even for you to go, okay, you got to be careful where you look to go because now funding matters. Yeah, it's tough, man. I mean... I remember the the video of you talking right after your baseball program was cut and just like, I mean, kind of went viral there a little bit, but just really hit home. I mean, it's, uh, it's tough. Obviously times are different and there has to be equal opportunities for, for everyone and, um, funding. I mean, there's not a, not a ton of money in baseball, right? Like, so no, there's not, I mean, I, I joke with my son all the time. If you, you want big time money, play football. Like you better be able to shoot threes and, and dunk basketballs. Cause that's where the, that's where the money's at because at the college level, that's where people are, are, are spending their money to buy their tickets. And so, you know, the, the non-revenue or the Olympic sports, and you're only going to see it become a bigger national trend as we continue. And I, and I hope like hope that no one has to go through that, but it's coming with the, the universities are, are, you know, the university just announced, more cuts and and so you look across the board across all state universities money's getting tight at the university level and and when you think back to the you what brought you even to carney for the college what did you how did you end up at that job at unk and and what what took you to unk actually i was the head baseball coach at dana college in blair nebraska where i worked for coach southworth's aunt um, I didn't know okay. it at the time. Like we didn't, <laughs> we didn't know it at the time. It's just kind of coincidence. And so, you know, I'm from, I always joke, I'm from back East, you know, East of the Mississippi. I'm from LaPorte, Indiana, went to school in Chicago. I think at the age of 22, I got the job at Dana college and moved out to this state called Nebraska, which I knew nothing about. Like I, like the Husker football games, they weren't on out there. <laughs> like, you know, we had Ohio state and Michigan on, so I like knew nothing about it. And so, uh, went to Dana College, had some success there. University of Nebraska, Kearney came a calling, and um, I was at Dana College for three seasons. And my fourth season, I ended up going to the University of Nebraska, Kearney, and uh, was there for uh, 15, 18 years, something like that, bef- before they ran into cutting the program. So for you, 
seeing Dana College go the route it went to where it's no longer. And now, obviously, five years ago, you had Carney. Does- There's no history of me coaching anywhere. I did not coach in college. Don't Uh, worry. Yeah. My resume is actually just a ghost because (laughs) neither program still exists. So, um, no. And so you, you, you understand the financial trials and tribulations that all these schools are going to go through. And like I said, there's no, there's no silver lining on the horizon. And so, um, I think it's taught me a lot about, man, you better enjoy where your feet are. You better enjoy those opportunities and not take them for granted. And, and so, and literally just kind of picking yourself up and just keep plugging along and, and plugging along and, and people will pick you up. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a surreal that, yeah, there's no record books or trophy cases where I'm from anymore. And, and when you think of the changes, even in the past five years, I have to say the personal training aspect of sports has flown through the roof in those last five years. How have you noticed it? How have you adapted? And what are you looking to talk to your baseball players about? Because obviously Brian runs Wired Training Center, which is one of those many facilities out there. How is so many facilities going to be able to help you? Because these kids have to go beyond a single coach to continue to get better. Well, without a doubt, I would say my last three years. So from about 2015 to 2018, I had started to see a huge change in our players, like their attitudes, like they were so much more educated. They were, they were finding resources on the internet, these, the drive lines. Um, there's a couple that are gone now, but, um, you know, and so really I started to kind of notice it and, and I'm not gonna lie. I was old school, get off my lawn. Like this is all. And then I that video has nothing because it's not on VHS. Yes. If it was on VHS, yes. I might believe it. Yes, and so honestly, it was one of those things. That as a college coach, I was like, "Oh man!" And then and then the program's cut, and I'm trying to get back into the game, and I'm like, "I better dive in because my next opportunity might come." And and so I dove in and, and really started to to reach out to guys at drive lines. That's how Brian and I kind of got hooked up. Was more the technical side. I remember we kind of hitting with some guys from central Nebraska in a, in a barn somewhere during COVID and some other things. And, and honestly, I was like, I got to get a hold of this guy. And I think I just called and then we figured out there was kind of a Dana connection. And then he's got an amazing relationship with my son. And so that's kind of how our whole relationship started was my thirst for, I don't get it, but I better go find somebody who does get it. And he gets it better than anybody else. And that's why we're probably still sitting here. And you're not, you're not lying. <laughs> I mean, you're not lying though. He he's, he, there's a reason why, you know, I, I, there are so many great people. There are so many good people throughout the city of Omaha. There are so many guys who know what they're doing. I just have a personal belief that he's the best and that's who my son goes to. And that's who I have a relationship with. And that's, that's who I want people who are around me to go to. And Brian, so obviously hearing this is good, but let's set up to even that what he remembers. You go into a barn, you just going out in the field. Um, you have an old school coach here. That can't be the easiest transition even for yourself because you're selling yourself every day. But when you're talking to a guy who isn't all internet savvy on that part, doesn't want to hear the new stuff. I mean, uh, you know. We have to be real as real. What is it like when you remember the first interactions and, and how do you get someone like himself to uh, buy into this big of a change? Well, I mean, I, I more so look at like, man, I, 
I probably admire him more than he admires me, to be honest. I mean, you know, seeing a college coach and that's just something I always aspire, like having a lot of success. I had some, some family that played for him and just like, you know, knew he was such a great guy. So I was really excited when he reached out and wanted to talk and, and learn. So that was, that was all really cool. But you know, the thing I see in the most successful coaches like him is like, there's always a desire to learn, right? Like you never stop learning. Um, the other thing too, is I think he sees like, okay, hey, here's my, here's my program. Here's kind of the, the struggles that we're going to deal with. And, you know, I mean, dealing with like high school kids, there's a lot of rules where you can't be with your kids a ton. So I think, you know, the best coaches that you see, they always build relationships with people they trust, people that can help. And I think that's what he's doing. And obviously, I, I even were probably going to help a little bit. But I know there's, you know, a list of five or, you know, 10 other guys that he's going to rely on and entrust his kids with. And I really feel like that's what you see with the best coaches and just talking to them and, and learning. And there's a lot to learn from each other. See, and that's what that's what I love about even having Brian as a co-host is just the fact that we brought on other baseball trainers. We brought on other coaches. And at no time has it ever been a closed door here. And that I think the success rate of people that have that open door policy when it comes to this stuff goes through the roof and it's kind of sky's the limit, right? You never know where it's going to end, but it slowly keeps growing. What's the biggest factor that you think Scott Catholic's going to have to change this year to make them just a little bit better, quick, easy fix? I don't, I don't think that they need to change anything as far as I think it's more just adapting to a new system. I think they've had successful coaches all along. It's just kind of going to be a different voice. I, you know, this is a weird, this is a little bit different coaching style the or, or, or coaching change. Most of the time when you come in, there's usually something went wrong or it's a, you know, it's a dumpster fire and it's all. Put it out, on. put it out. Yeah, but this was not that. This was just a change in lifestyle um, for the head coach. Um, just kind of a changeover for some family things and, and, and growing his own family and wanting to do some other things. So this is a unique opportunity for me, not so much to rebuild Scott, but just put my stamp on it. Just my moment in time. Um, I don't have an ego in this whole, like I told, I, I had my first meeting with the team. I was like, guys, I lost all pride about five years ago. I did like you, you, you build something for 15 years, invest heart and soul, everything wife's into it. Families are into it. Some guy who's been the AD for two years walks in and just tells you, you know, you're no longer needed. And I was like, that was one of the more like life altering. Like we've all been taught you work hard, you pay your dues, good things will happen to you. Do things the right way. Never cut corners. Don't cheat. And literally some guy just walked in and was like, ah, thanks, but we're good. And so from that moment on and kind of once I started to climb to, to try to be a coach again and, and you know, you, you have different philosophical differences with different people, but it's never personal in baseball. I feel like sometimes people make it personal, but I think when you kind of get back to the whole reason why he's doing it, while majority of coaches are doing it, it's just to impact young people just to give them an opportunity. And I think that's where baseball, everything in baseball has been stolen. From it's been handed down. It's literally one of those games that's just been handed down, handed down, and then literally like you. You mean about, you didn't create the wheel for nope, baseball? No. You were in it for fifteen years no. and you didn't create his program. Come no, on, everything in baseball stolen exactly. from someone else. It's rarely found. You know, baseball doesn't have a defense. Yeah, you play defense, but there is no defense. Like yeah. you can, you can kind of slide guys here. You can play shifts here, but you got to get three outs. There's no running out of time. There's 
Yeah. Hey, with guys on second and third, we can't run the nickel or the dime or run a two, three zone or anything. So like we can't bring the house on this yeah, one. Like offensively. Cause we yeah. all know what happens when you bring the corners up nine out of 10 times, they find some way to pop it right over yep. your first or, yep. or third. And I think base. that's why baseball, it's just, it's such a differently coached game is because your offense needs base runners and then you need some hits and you need some things you can't like all out just change how you're going to do because you're down three runs. You still, so I think you, baseball has been able to be handed down, whereas there's been tons of innovation in other sports. I think baseball has been way more innovative on the player development side of things. And I think that's what, you know, that's why I'm excited to be in the Omaha Metro and be around Brian on a, every single day. Cause just to talk baseball and give that type of insight back to my players. Well, and before we get you back here to Omaha, the struggle that you had to go through, I think, is something that is not seen. As a guy, we don't share it. We don't let it out. You talked about the moment when you got told, hey, you're no longer needed. How does the talk go with family that very first time? Do you even remember the drive home? Do you remember like just that moment? Because if there's ever a moment I think stuck in your head, had it been that moment after that happened and when the first time you got to let your wife know what just happened? Yeah, unfortunately, I I don't really remember that one. Uh, I'm blessed that I have uh, the most supportive and amazing wife in the world, so she was right there to pick me up. I think the thing that I remember most was her coming home probably around August and being like, enough. You've, you've sat around for three months. You've It's, <laughs> it's the it's, reality. Yeah, and, and, and she's like, we're going to start a baseball academy. And I was like... Ah, no, 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 you know, and she's like, no, and we're going to call it the Central Nebraska Baseball Academy, and you're going to have some fall baseball teams. And I was like, whatever, I'm not doing it. And then she won. Weird. The <laughs> yeah. wife always yeah. wins. No, but she was a, a super supportive because I, I can honestly say for about three months there afterwards, it was just kind of a blur of emotion and ups and downs. And I, you know, we were fortunate. We built the Jabba Chamberlain Center, and Jabba Chamberlain played for us at the University of Nebraska Kearney and was so gracious, and he built this really cool Division II facility. And and I, I remember building it. Like, literally, I helped the contractors. Like, I put a nail gun through my hand, and now I'm cleaning it out, and there's, like, no ceremony. There's no, like, confetti or, like, it's just, like, literally someone from the owner group of the city was like, hey, you need to be out. And, 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 and like I said, there was just a rage of emotions and, and all this is like, I think everybody would have in that moment of it being raw, but I just really remember my wife coming home and just saying, come on, man, let, let's go. And then, and I think she must've talked to my dad because my dad had a huge impact on my life and was a huge part of this whole thing. And he was just like, enough, we've let you wallow in it long enough. And then, uh, I think we had four fall teams that time. And I think now the CNBA is up to. You know, now we're partnering with other organizations. I think we have 15 or 16 youth teams. And and basketball now too, right? Like, yeah, we're doing some basketball. Some basketball stuff kind of fell by the way. <laughs> I'm not a basketball guy. We, we tried the basketball route, but no, it was just trying to dive into youth sports. My wife's a huge volleyball person. She was a, um, my wife was the head basketball coach and head volleyball coach at Millard South. She's the only I believe, historically speaking, she's the only person to ever be the head volleyball coach and head women's basketball coach for Class A school at the same time. Okay. So, so, so yeah. she's got the she's got the drive, and I, I what I like about it that and this is why I love what we do because it takes the real moment of three months that you had to go through the process. 
you had how many players on the team at that time? There was uh, 51. 51 young athletes that you have to explain, or did they explain for you? No, I no, I it was uh it was one of the weirdest things. Like we'd be playing Northwest Missouri State, and after the game, the coach would look come up to me and he'd be like, "I don't know how this works." And I was like, "Who do you want to talk to?" And I'd call them over, and they'd go over to the other dugout, and they'd get the whole recruiting spiel because they were all free agents. And uh, I'd say about fifteen of them went on to to other schools. I'd probably say fifteen of them were all broken, just broken hearted, very similar. Like you know what. Uh-uh, I'm not going to do this. Um, and so that's the one I always feel bad about is there was probably 15 to 18 guys. We did a great job. My staff at the time, Kyle Honeycutt, Travis Spencer, uh, Taylor Anderson, they did a, an amazing job of getting um, all our guys placed. So I think we had a signing class of about 15 or 16. We got all those guys placed at different junior colleges. I think of those 15 or 16 signees, um, I think 13 or 12 of them went on to play division one college baseball, man. Yeah. So. so even in the lime of all the bad stuff, when you're able to turn it and flop it into something that can be more positive, those are the things that hopefully you look back and go, this was my stamp. No matter what else I did, I made sure when I left that school, whatever, however they did you, you made sure the kids are the most important. And I think sometimes you said it earlier, those are the things that get forgotten. The players, how developed they are. Are they getting to where they can go to that next level? Brian, obviously in the training realm, when you think of things like this, you see places, other places closed down, even in the training side. How do you feel reaching out to these families? I mean, think of a, a this is what you planned for. You planned for this, but you have to go to another level. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you know, you probably had kids that, you know, signed with you and wore a carney hat for like two years, right? And then yeah. like it comes time when it's uh, time to move on, you know, campus like, oh, sorry, man. Um, sorry, we don't have a place for you to play anymore. I mean, that's that's tough. That's really tough for a kid to to deal with. And you know, I mean, also kids been in a program a couple of years. I mean, it's tough. It's it's really hard on a kid who's just hasn't experienced a lot of real world experiences like that, too. You know, I mean, things happen as adults, right? But these kids it's they tough. Have, they have no it's tough. And, and I told the guys, I, I remember, I do remember the very first team meeting, like literally walking down to the facility and they had just told me, and I told them all, if this is the worst thing that ever happens to you in your life, you're going to live the most blessed life. Cause it's not like you'll, you'll survive. Like you guys are all survivors. Um, and, but you're right. I, I, I think that like you're saying, like these kids found out via press release. Yeah. I didn't even get a chance to call them and that, be, like, give them a heads up. Like, Hey, by the way, so no, but I think it's a great story of perseverance for those young people who went out and found a way for all those kids, as well as feeling like a sense of accomplishment is they, they went and found a way like adapted. And, and I'm pretty sure the connection is still there. When you look back at some of your players, have you reached out and talked to any of them that are now older? They're, they're, you know, maybe in the area still and say, Hey, I'm back to coaching and, and maybe they have programs they're using. Are, are you using some of those? Because once you get that name coach, you're always their coach. Even if you didn't coach them, you're still sometimes, if you've done the right planning, which from what I've always heard, Coach Day has done the right thing to plan in these kids where 
you know, they respect Yeah, that. I'm fortunate that I've had amazing relationship with all my players. And even the players who you don't necessarily, like, I always tell them, like, Coach, we're going to do this forever. I'm like, aha, you're going to have a baby someday. And <laughs> your wife's not going to let you come back to golf anymore. And <laughs> I know how this all works. But I've been fortunate to have great alumni support and great player support. And when, when I got the word from here, uh, when word got out that I had accepted the job, there was just – uh, there was I, there was just too many people to thank. There was just too many calls of support. There was just too much text messaging and just the love from the boys, as I always like to say, was just immense. Like guys I hadn't heard from in four or five years who all around the fatherhood. I always get the text of, hey, I'm a dad, and you were right. Like, <laughs> you know. You um, said real life starts yeah. at some point, and here we are. Yeah, so just the overall support and love that I got from from all of those former players and, and really the Carney community. They, everybody was super uh, happy and, and bittersweet to obviously be leaving Carney, but everybody uh, was really happy for my family and myself and Bubba to, to still get to play for me. And so you're right, that, that those bonds never go away. They may rust, as I always like to say, but it takes about 30 seconds to knock the dirt off and you're right back to telling stories and, and getting back to know each other. And you said your wife is a coach for Millard South. How, was, was. was. Back, okay. Way back in the day. So then is there any, like little fiance going why why doesn't the daughter come play and at where mom was a teacher or is it just straight no my Scott daughter's Catholic. going to Scott Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> hey coach saunders has it going there she like, does she, she, hey i walk in and they don't let they let me know i'm the only guy i'm the only guy that doesn't have a state title yet since i'm the rookie with my coaching crew so um no but no, my wife my daughter will go to Scott Catholic and my wife's got too much going on running the Scud Catholic baseball uh, stuff and helping me out during the summer. So she's going to be taking She's not getting back in the coaching ranks. <laughs> what do you Someone th- needs to be the administrator. <laughs> Someone needs to make sure it's all locked down. What do you think is the biggest strength that you're bringing to the high school realm? And what do you think is one thing that you might have to adjust a little bit of your, your teaching or your game? Because before you're looking and recruiting off of videos, that's your players. That's who you're looking for. Now you're looking at the kids who can come to you and are coming to you. I think my my biggest strength is just a love of baseball and a, a, and a love of being around young men and, and getting to impart on them some sort of wisdom and and some sort of expectation that this is hey this is how the, the it's a rotten world and if you carry yourself a certain way and act a certain way you're already going to be a winner and so that's kind of the thing I'm most excited about is just getting that broader based uh, uh, family. I think. Where I'm going to lack is understanding that they are high schoolers. Like they're 14, 15, that frontal lobe's not all there. <laughs> and some of the times I look at them and I'm like, oh, this is just something I didn't never really thought I would encounter. Just whether it be a conversation or just a, a look of what's he talking about? I'm just like, okay, I better dial it back a little bit. But um I, I think that the the positives far outweigh the kind of get to know because once I, I think once you speak the language of baseball, kids get it. They understand it. It's a game of failure. It's a game of boredom. It's a game of monotony. You know, Mark Reardon, the former uh, coach at Iowa Western, we both know very, very well. He's at Western Kentucky. He used to say, it's not the failure that gets you. It's the boredom. It's the, it's the adversity. And that's what develops character in young people. And I think that's something that's always stuck with me and something that I, I want to try to impart on Scott Catholic. Well, of course, being a, a Class B school, you obviously aren't playing some of the big, bigger teams. Do you think when it comes to baseball, does the class matter as much as it does like football or basketball? 
No, not in a one game. Not in a one game. Because uh, the great equalizer in baseball is a starting pitcher. You know, a dude can face anybody. If you, if you got a dude and he's a dude and he's that guy, he'll handle lineups. It's if you, when you get into that second game of the doubleheader, if you got to do it a third day in a row, it's, it's, I always used to tell people division one, the, the Friday night guys you see at the division two level could pitch at the division one level, probably maybe your Saturday guy and maybe a guy out of the pen. So maybe there was three or four division one level pitchers on a division two staff, but that's it. The next guy we're going to is 83, 84. The next guy that the Huskers are rolling out in that fifth spot is 90-93. Now, that's probably all changed over the years. But I don't. I think class has way more to do with depth. Like, they kind of have just more of it than necessarily that highest end for a team. So, uh, I'm hoping to get to play some of those those Blue Bloods. I'm hoping that Coach Gary will, will play. I hope we get to play Millard South. I hope we get to play um, Millard West. I, we're trying to get Lincoln East on the schedule. I think that's why you play high school sports is to – go slay dragons, right? Like yes. the, those are the dudes. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I'm working with our administration to get our schedule up to snuff, but, but I hope to play all those guys and uh, do some of those things and, and, you know, play the best of the best. That doesn't, I just want to play. I mean, I'm not banging my chest, having any illusions of, you know, I just like to compete. I think kids want to compete. Um, and I think that's our job is to give them those opportunities. Well, and I'm glad you brought up a little bit about the class division, Mr. Southworth, I'm going to ask you this on class position. Obviously, when they're in Little League, you're thinking of majors, minors, you know, triple A, double A. Do you ever talk the level of class that a kid should be or what they should be looking for before they made that high school decision? Or is it something you just let them kind of tell you where they're looking and you try to help in that direction? It's a tough question. I mean, I, I think uh, class matters to a point, but, you know, I think when bodies start changing and, and they grow up, I mean, all that goes out the window. You know, I mean, as soon as uh, kids start throwing harder, getting stronger, you know, the, the kid that was great, you know, that grew and he was like 5'10 at 10. I mean, he could be still 5'10 at 17. So, you know, I think a lot changes. I don't think it matters a ton. I, I think it more matters who your coach is and if you're getting quality instruction, um, and doing the little things right and, you know, creating a kind of a ceiling that's only going to go up when you, your body starts changing, you get bigger, faster, stronger. So, I mean, I, I think they're going to do just fine. Like he said, like we're going to be able to compete on the game. Right. And he's going to want to go play those teams. And, um, I think it'd be really good for Scott. I don't want to play them on in the same week, <laughs> but, but I think, I think that's a great yeah. point from the standpoint, the thing that I've always really enjoyed in my conversations and seeing him work is he, he understands that there's this, there's this level of maturation physically and that not all. And so he just keeps working with the kids along their level, knowing that, Hey, just keep going. Uh, and I only bring that up because, you know, he's helped. My son was five, eight. Now he's six, three and a half. And that body difference. Matt, yeah, like, yeah, it's huge. He's a he's, baby he's, giraffe. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> I mean, on, yeah, he is. And he's talked me off the ledge. I don't know how many times he'll be like, coach, don't worry. It takes this amount of time for all everything to get back connected. Don't worry. He's going to be okay. And I think that that's what he does. That's why you go to wired is because he gets it. He's understanding. He's worked from, from Cade Povich, who's a step away down right to there. Billy who can't tie his shoes. And yeah. I think that that's what makes him great and makes his staff great is the communication skills of, let's face it, you and I both know this. There's a ton of knowledge, but if you can't communicate it, it's it's, it's worthless. And, and, and I, that's what I, I, I loved about it. My son went to to his program, and it's more of 
you know, and that's how we relate is I want to know parents deserve to know if they're paying that extra dollar to have that done. Am I wasting it? Am I using it right? Is my son just not working? I would much rather know that. And it's those, those hard conversation. Now, obviously you're going to have multi-sport athletes. How do you accept that at your level in the high school realms? Because that wasn't a major thing in college. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, you might've had one or two that might've played multi-sports. And I do see like local Nebraska is getting between track and football and baseball and football. So they're starting, I mean, you got Booth who just, just uh, said he's going to be a Husker, you know, from the 2025 class. What is that like for you now at a high school level to have to work and coincide with these multi-sports, but also not trying to overtake? Yeah. I, I love multi-sports. I think especially in that, that freshman, sophomore year when when you're still it's just more of a social thing than it is a competitive thing i think the more you can keep their them involved and, and getting in different opportunities and meeting different friend sets um and then i think you you literally have to let your career kind of play itself out i think too many people make knee-jerk reactions at a young age and they're like well i'm just gonna go do this and focus on that i, I think they give it they've taken away some opportunities and so i think when you sit down and you're you're sitting there that summer before your junior year where am I at on the two deep? Where am I at on the basketball roster? Where am I at on the baseball roster? It's go it goes both ways. Yeah. You know, and so I think that's where young people have to say, okay, now I'm starting to get older. I probably am, I'm driving now. Now there's probably a job. There's probably a female interest. There's college. Like I'm not, I'm thinking about going. And I think so, most of the time everyone will be like, oh, I can't believe they didn't play. And it's sometimes like I think we need to celebrate how long they played it. Yes. Um, but I'm all for guys. I mean, I, I'm all for guys playing football. I'm all for guys playing basketball. I'm not up for guys running track. Sorry, track coach, but that's I can't in the, blame you. That's same in the, that's time. In the spring same season. Time. But no, I think the more the more that you can put them in, and especially at Scott Catholic, those guys are great coaches. You know, Coach Turmer, Coach Jurgens, they've had a tremendous amount of success. You know, that's just another role model. For, for your kids. I think sometimes parents think of, you know, I'm going to invest in these lessons and now he's going to hit 450. But you that's tell not me that ain't the way it goes. No, you know, a couple times. Yeah. But <laughs> I've, I've learned it's, it's more the, my son picking up the, the, the text message and texting coach seeing, Hey man, can I, can I clean up the facility? I, that says I, like I think sometimes people forget the mentoring and the relationship building, and it's another sound voice for you at home of what matters and what are good things. It it you literally never comes down to pitching and hitting. Those things rarely you will never get back your money for those investments. No. But you will get back the relationships, the lessons learned from it. You show your kid that you're invested in them, right? I mean, I know from from like this speaking from personal experience. My kid gets the, like I know a ton of kids who just work hard because their parents will, you know. I always hate when parent people are like, "Oh, well, his dad will just play for lessons." What's wrong with investing in your child? Yeah, like that's not bad. Like, don't no. say it as like it's the boogeyman or I'm anything. I'm paying for lessons <laughs> because uh, most of the time when they have that outlook, most of the time those parents aren't you will knowing never win. the backside of it. They're not really knowing everything they get for someone like Brian, they are not knowing what they get for that money. They think they do because I paid my dues. I paid this. But then if they actually took a moment and said, Hey, Brian, where has his growth been? What is, what can I do differently? And that's something that I've always taught my kids. You know, I've had four go through high school is anytime they play a sport at no time, would I ever have or teach them 
Why ain't I getting playing time? What can I do that I need to do better to find that time? What can I change? What can I do? And I think at the high school level, that is one of the hardest things for them to give these kids. Just tell them from my personal experience, all four of my kids, they've never once really been given what they could work on. Or if it is, it's as Brian has said one time when I let him know of one, that's kind of a BS answer. Just a quick, I mean, you tell me you can't help that. Brian speaking <laughs> it. <laughs> so when you look at the sport of baseball, obviously uh, summer, spring is your big time. It's starting to take over some fall. But sometimes fall baseball just isn't the best players because you have a lot of them that might take off for other sports, football, or just rest their arm. How are you guys getting the fall side and getting it to be competitive? Because I could tell you the one fall baseball that I went to was not in your league, but it was similar, and I did not feel like this was worth him playing fall. How do you get those parents to buy in, and, and what's your biggest uh difference that you guys do for the central nebraska fall league uh for the central nebraska fall league it, it kind of turned into more of just turning into a way for now that the university was gone a way for kids from central nebraska to to get some opportunities and and i think that's kind of a cyclical thing i think if you're looking for exposure and you're trying to go to some of the fall tournaments i think it's a great thing i i think sometimes fall ball gets a bad rap because what what's your purpose for doing it you know, are you trying to learn a new position? Are you trying to get more innings that you necessarily didn't get during the summer? You know, when you sit down at the end of the summer, did you take inventory? Well, I threw 80 innings. I got 150 at-bats. I'm probably good, you know? And so I think that sometimes we overdo it on the fall, like exactly what you're saying. Yeah. But kids want to play. And I think you, you, you have to do that balancing act of, of feeding the beast, as I always like to say. Um, and knowing when to kind of pull the reins back. And so I know for me, our whole goal at Scott Catholic is to win the NSAA state championship. That's it. Like that, uh, we want to be successful in the fall. We want to be successful as a Legion program, but our goal is to win state championships at the NSAA level during the spring season. That's our goal. Um, if you play fall ball, it's kind of more of a, what'd you call auxiliary Extra season? Reps, yeah, well, I, mean, right? I think it's tough. I think the, the state of Nebraska really feels like, I'm going to get better at baseball by playing fall baseball. And that's definitely the case for some people. Like you said, I mean, you take inventory after the season. There's some kids that need the reps, that need yes. the extra games. And there's some kids that would be way better if they just spent six months in the weight room, eating, lifting, you know, improving. So I think it all depends. But too many people just default to, like, let's go travel and play fall baseball. Let's show up every Sunday and play a doubleheader. And that's going to really contribute to my success when – Really, it's, it's what you're doing all the rest of the year. That's really going to make the difference. See, and I, I like that because that's a whole different perspective of fall ball because you're right. It's like, okay, sweet. We go play two games on Sunday. But what did you do from Monday till Saturday? Did you prepare for it? Because I know even in, the, in your guys' league, you guys are having kids from Omaha area match up and team up with Lincoln area, but doesn't mean they're practicing. And it's what are they doing on their own? Because is that pretty much what I could take from fall ball? If, I, if I'm if i a parent and I'm looking to invest in fall ball, one, it could be, like you said, getting more pitching reps. I got you. But you still have to practice on your own because you're not practicing in the group. I think that goes for if you're expecting to be a good hitter and you get your 25 swings in the spring season or during winter conditioning or whatnot, you're not going to be a good hitter. 
the, the elite or just being the good or, or going above and beyond. I think that goes across all, all seasons. And I, sometimes I, I, I take this one a little bit more when people are like, Oh, you're traveling all around. You're doing all this. You're spending all this money. You know, you guys are crazy. Uh, my rebuttal always is, I don't own a boat. Like I don't own a lake home. Like I, I don't, don't have an RV. No, like <laughs> we've chosen to do this family experience. We've gotten to do some really cool stuff, um, and so we're more about the experiences of it. I'm I would never get of up any of the youth that, stuff that we did for the hours in the car, the hotel rooms, the 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 QT pizza. Like you tell me, they don't remember eight you. Eight U single A champion no, or no, but but they will remember my daughter to my wife to my son to my like so I I have I think because of the the experience side of things I have no false sense of where this ends like this all ends where he wants it to end not yes. necessarily and so I'm more like hey man let's just do this like let's I'm gonna ride it as long let's, as we yeah. can ride like you get to go do some really cool stuff right now. So let's do it. Like, and I think sometimes you just have to decide what is your end game. And then you can reverse engineer back what you want. If your kid comes home and says, I want to start. All right. You put that at the top. What do I need to do to really get there? Because most kids really know. They, they may take some coaxing to get the words out, but they know why they're this is happening or why they're they're struggling with this in a pitch or see and that's why i think it's you know all three of us are not only fathers but we're also been coaches i've coached football basketball baseball um and i think the hardest thing is is our own kids because we're trying to give you an insight of what a coach is thinking or why a coach might be thinking this but instead you're taking it as of well dads have and i'm doing everything i can to like just say this is what i'm just telling you i'm not correcting you i'm making sure you see it but how do you how do you take those conversations with your son and daughter and how do you uh try to put your own twist on it to make it where they understand it's coming from dad coach but not not enforceful i would say over the last two to three years i really learned how to be dad and how to be coach uh and that's probably one of the most proudest things that i am from a maturation level um with my son Especially, I don't get to coach my, my my daughter. I'm way more cheerleader guy. High fives, <laughs> let's go, Lou, let's get it. Um, but with my son, it's been hands on. Everything's been been there together. So I think over the past probably the past two years, two and a half years, and I think a lot of that has to do with with getting guys like Brian and getting guys like my assistant coach uh, Bronson Bosshammer, getting more guys involved in his life and in his career and in his passions. To where I don't really have to say a lot. Like when find if he's not pitching well, he's gonna send him a video and, and be like, what's going on? Like I don't have to say a lot of those things anymore. And so I think the more you can expose your athlete to different opinions, to different types of, of ideas, and, and let's face it, the internet's full of ideas these days, but I think the more you can expose your athletes to that constructive criticism, because like you're saying. I really realize when they're younger, it's hard for them to distinguish between dad and coach. Yeah. And that's something I've, I've worked a, uh, hard on it within our central Nebraska baseball Academy is stop with the car rides home. You give yourself like, just stop. I, I did a bunch of research on some of this stuff. And it's like something like 80% of a youth athlete 
does not listen to anything that is said during the game. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, what what's your experience with? I mean, you got young ones coming up, and, and also being able to be there for all of them. It's not easy. Yeah, it's tough. You know, I mean, I'm I'm learning along as we go with my ten year old for sure. So, uh, definitely a balance. I mean, I think the uh, echoing is a couple things on like he said. One, like find some people that you trust that you know is going to deliver the message like for you. You know, I, I think that's important. So I'm blessed. I have great employees at my, my facility. So I can definitely relay some messages through my pitching guy you know, I was like, Hey man, can you tell him this? Because he's going to listen to you. He's not going to listen to me. <laughs> he's not going to listen to me. So I think that's, that's part of it. And then, you know, I mean, you can't want it more than the kids, you know, I mean, the kids got to dry it. Like he's got to, got to want it. So, you know, I mean, there'll be times like, you know, he like wants me to yell at him. It's like, you know, like he's like expecting it because he messed up and like, man, like I don't care. Like, yeah, like if you go over three with three strikeouts, like it is not going to affect how much I love you or, you know, take care yeah. of you or anything at home. Like baseball does not define the the person like that you are right. Like yeah. baseball is a game. It doesn't define you like and it's your a game success, that will tear you up. Yeah. I mean, your success <laughs> on the field has no impact of what type of person you're going to be later on in life. That's more important. And I think, you know, if you can just lead with that and, you know, get some great people, surround yourself with a great team, I think good things will happen. Well, I will uh, get get you out on this, Coach Day, just thinking of the fact of how more coaches are trying to utilize and go to one sport, and you see all this future games for young athletes, 11th, 10th grade, you see the PBR, you see all this promotion of how baseball is really starting to take off What's your take on it, and what do you try to help your kids understand the importance of teams like that and and opportunities like that of getting exposure beyond Scott Catholic? I, I think if you're going to do those things, those are experiences, not exposure. So don't kind of the, – the PBRs are cool. The PGs are cool. The rankings are – uh, are an arbitrary view of what a couple guys think of that player. It does not mean that your lot in life is secure. It does not mean that you're not good if you're not on those rankings. And so I think you have to take everything in life with a grain of salt. And those guys are, I know Pascal Paul at PBR does a great job of covering, you know, PGE. All those things are very reputable organizations, but they're still money-making organizations. And I, I, my son's participated in those. He's going to continue to participate in those because he's, had great experiences, but I think people have to quit thinking there's some offer at the end of this. You're not the, telling me the number one at 12U isn't getting a no, D1 scholarship already? No, and I think, oh. and, and I would, we've talked about this. If you're waiting for the scholarship at the end of this, don't. And if you're not about the experience of it, don't do it. Just take all that money, put it in a bank account, and you'll have more way, than what you're going to get offered in the scholarship pool. Um, and so I think it's way more totalitarian from the standpoint of a total package of what are you looking to accomplish? What are you trying to do? I know in my own personal seeing kids walk into a dugout, they don't know anybody and walk out knowing everybody. Like that's a huge step, socially speaking. Yeah. The pressure of dealing with these events to like go to them just because you're going to get your heart rate up and man, does that feel good sometimes? Like, so I think sometimes we've lost at the end of the, the, the like whether I'm investing in lessons or what I, I'm, I'm traveling to this tournament this weekend. If you're going to be a part of your kid's journey, then great. If you're thinking that the team, you know, big state U is going to show up with an offer and a, a duffel bag full of money, that's not what's at the end of this. 
what I love about this whole conversation, I greatly appreciate you coming on our show is just setting some realities, but also giving the behind the scenes to it. Um, not only from experiences of college, but experiences of your own son. Um, and like those can't sometimes be talked enough because sometimes that stuff, it's all about the limelight so much that it gets hidden and it gets unknown. So if we can reach out and hit one parent to just understand that these are great experiences, these are great things, go live it up with your kid. But if you think something is on that other side, you you said it well enough. There's no duffel bag. There's there's no huge contract that you're going to sign. There's no huge golf check that you get at the end of a golf meet, you know, where it says no happy Gilmore no check. No happy Gilmore <laughs> check. Um, but it's just those messages of, and obviously we appreciate you coming to Scott Catholic and, and coming to Omaha to share your tradition. Um, but I, I think the best part is, is you got your baseball heart back. Yes, sir. Your family's going to love it. And I think the kids are going to benefit from the fact of you went all the way to the hardest feelings. I mean, I I've said it myself on this own show. I had a show. I was up here. I lost the show. This dude picked me up, brought me back to where we are today. Thank you to her dad productions for taking us on. And now we're able to just share our message well beyond these three people here, but also given the fact of from a father from different aspects, it's not all, let me just continue to get the top athletes or continue to get these top people. It's these little things of, Hey, did you know a college closed? A guy lost his life. He didn't think his life was going to get picked up. Now he's in Omaha. Everybody for sure is happy that he's at Scott Catholic and it's, and it's making noise and seeing you back on the ball field. So good luck this season. Appreciate it. Appreciate uh, it very Scott's much. coming for you. I hope you're ready. Once again, this is a Heard at uh -oh. production of Wired Access Podcast, and we appreciate you guys tuning in. Hopefully you can share something with your athlete. Maybe have them watch a little bit of it, whether it's another athlete, whether it's a coach, whether it's one of our trainers. There's so many options here. Don't be afraid to listen. We'll see you next time. A Heard at Sports Network production.